sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. Out of adversity and trauma, challenges and hardship, from the streets of Kansas City, a shoe company was born. Birth from the desire to serve others and provide high quality cleats and sneakers at an affordable price, we present to you, Ozell Brand. It's not just a brand, it's a lifestyle. Order now at OzellBrand.com. Good evening, family. It's your boy, Dante Pryor, a.k.a. The Professor, b.k.a. The Human Almanac. Flying solo tonight. Uh, the fam will hopefully be back on next week. We just So tonight's show, we want to go through some, some headlines, kind of as we're on the other side of signing day. Hopefully, we're at the end of the coaching carousel. Uh, the NFL sometimes have, has influence over that. Uh, we're going to talk Jalen Hurts and Pat Mahomes as college prospects, and then we're going to end the show tonight talking about our top five college uh, football prospects at the quarterback position. Um, please drop your comments below. Let me hear what's on your mind. Um, by all means, please interact with the show this evening. Um, so let's get started with some headlines. So uh, let's talk about the coaching carousel. I do believe, finally, um, uh, uh, unless there's a, a shocking uh, NFL firing or hiring, that the coaching carousel for the uh, college football season should be over. I, I believe all of the vacancy, all of the head coaching vacancies has been filled, uh, and then also all of the coordinator vacancies have been filled as well. Uh, so let's start with uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, Alabama has hired former Notre Dame office coordinator Tommy Rees and veteran defensive coordinator Kevin Steele. Now, um, for the uh, for for the for the sake of, of self promotion here, um, if you go to SaturdayBlitz.com. Um, I did write an article about some questions that Alabama has to answer uh, this offseason heading into the 2023 season. So Tommy Reese, number one, Tommy Reese um, from Notre Dame. I, I think you're going to see more of the NFL influence um, from Reese at Alabama. I mean, listen, here's the thing. Nick Saban recruits coordinators as well as he recruits players. So, uh, I, I know Notre Dame fans are probably a little upset that uh, uh, Tommy Reese left, but at the same time, you do have to consider the fact that Tommy Reese was the guy who didn't get the head coaching job at Notre Dame. It was between Reese and Martin and, and Marcus uh, uh, Freeman, and they went with Freeman over Reese. And Reese is, it was the former player and alum of Notre Dame, so I can kind of see why he'd want to leave. Uh, the paydays probably a little bit better down in Tuscaloosa than it is up in South Bend, that he'll get to play with, he'll get to coach better players. And so one of the things that, that Reese is going to have to figure out is who's going to play quarterback. Um, he, he's got three blue chippers to choose from, whether it be Jalen Milrow, uh, Ty, Ty Simpson, and Eli Holstein. I'll tell you, I think Holstein is probably the future. Uh, would not shock me in the least if, if Holstein um, is second or third on the depth chart. Now, Jalen Milrow is interesting because he did take reps at wide receiver um, during Sugar Bowl practice and in the Sugar Bowl. So it does look like Alabama's going to lean towards Ty Simpson, who, who's a guy who's as dangerous with his arm as he is with his legs as well. And he's more fine passion than Milrow, which kind of leads to the second thing. The second thing was with, um, who's going to step up at receiver for the Crimson Tide. Uh, Jermaine Burton did not work. The way they thought he would coming in from Georgia, uh, Tyler Harrell, that guy from Louisville, spent most of his season injured. He's transferred to Texas, so they're also looking at younger guys like Corey Brooks, 
uh, Isaiah Bond. So, so we'll see. And, and here's the thing. I, I know people just kind of make this assumption that because it's Alabama and they hit a quote-unquote down year, I mean, they won 11 games and won the Sugar Bowl, but we're talking Bama. So when you talk Bama, you're talking Natties, and they did not go to the college football playoff for the second time in four years. So in that regard, I do think you have to consider some of these questions, and a lot of those questions are on offense. They're going to have to replace uh, two guys in the backfield, one of which is Jameer Gibbs. Uh, and the offensive line hasn't been a championship-level offensive line for a couple of years. I think that will change with Tommy Reese because one thing about Notre Dame is that they play very well in the trenches. So they go with veteran defensive coordinator Kevin Steele, who worked with Nick Saban in the past, who was also Nick Saban's nemesis when he was the defensive coordinator at Auburn. So one thing about Kevin Steele, we know two things Kevin Steele can uh, recruit. He recruited the guys like um, uh, Nick Fairley. Um, and, you know, so he can he can uh, recruit the trenches, and we know he can coach defense. So I, the, 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 really the two big things that, that you want to see out of the Alabama defense going into next season is replacing so many guys. They're going to replace nine starters, including Will Anderson and Henry Tuo, uh, Tuo, Tuo. So they've got guys to replace who is going to be the really good DB. One thing that Alabama did a really good job of last season is getting to the quarterback and their ability to rush the pass to kind of compensate for the fact that the secondary was not elite last season. And the, the two teams that were able to block them made plays down the field in LSU and Tennessee. So let's see if Kevin Steele fixed that. So as we as we go on, uh, so since, you know, Tommy Reese left Notre Dame, Notre Dame is offensive coordinator. They promote title coach Ger- Gerard Parker, the offensive coordinator, uh, Andy Ludwig and Colin Klein, uh, Andy Ludwig, Utah, Colin Klein, Kansas State were candidates. For the position, there's a little bit of controversy about why Andy Ludwig ended up back in Utah, according to Heather Dinich, ESPN. Um, it was not an issue with the buyout. Uh, Andy Ludwig felt like he had a better situation in Utah, and um, probably, you know, they probably sweetened the pot a little bit for him to stay down out, out in Salt Lake City. Um, probably the same thing with Colin Klein. So, uh, Freeman promotes internally with Gerard Parker at at offensive coordinator. Probably as big a loss as the OC, a longtime offensive line coach and uh, former Joe Moore award winner Harry Highstand retires as the offensive line coach for Notre Dame. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see who replaces Highstand as the O-line coach. they're, they're, you know, you know, I'm a little old school, and you see me kind of representing uh, the, the the old school four horsemen, Rick Flynn, the four horsemen here this evening. But here's the thing, you know, it used to be a time you go into the CD store and you 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 know you you buy the CD off the one single, you know, and everything else is silent scene. I'm gonna tell you, when it came to football, Notre Dame offensive lineman, give me one silent scene. High stands the old line coach. Those guys know how to block, invert both uh. uh Run, run black and press pro. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they make how they make those changes. So we do also so also um, uh, University of Miami uh, let go of Josh Gaddis. He goes from being the Broyles Award winner to being out of a job one season in Miami, and it just, it, it, it just didn't work. I mean, there's there's no other way to say it. Um. Rhett Lashley was the offensive coordinator before Gaddis. And Tyler Van Dyke had great success under, under Lashley. Lashley goes to SMU, bring in Josh Gaddis. A lot of injuries on the offense, in, in addition to learning a completely new, more pro-style system. Um, I, I think uh, head coach Mario Cristobal wanted a little bit of that Michigan physicality that um, that they had um, when, when Gaddis was at Michigan. But it didn't work. So they named Shannon Dawson the uh, new offensive coordinator. If you don't know who Shannon Dawson is, uh, Shannon Dawson um, is was the offensive coordinator at Houston. 
He is fairly young, 45. Um, Dawson also spent time coaching uh, Southern Miss. I think the big question out of Corey Gables is how hands-off is Cristobal going to be with the offense? He was the offensive coordinator at Oregon um, under Willie Taggart. Taggart left Florida State. He got promoted. Um, he's an online coach, offensive coordinator, uh, going all the way back to his days as a player at Miami and through his coaching career. It's going to be interesting to see how hands-off Mario Cristobal is going to be. And, and if there's any knock on Cristobal, it is that one, um, is that he, he may be a little too hands-on uh, with, with the offense. Um, let's switch. A um, couple more headlines here um, in, in addition to the OC. Uh, so there are two signing days. We just had the February signing day uh, a little bit more than a week ago. It was not very dramatic because all of the big signees, uh, they, they signed in the early signing day in December. But there are two guys worth mentioning here that are just complete monsters. I write of both of them are tight ends, but I will say um, Nick Harbor, who is a tight end slash defensive end, he's really an athlete. Um, Nick Harbor is one of the more intriguing prospects. I would argue maybe since Jadavian Clowney. Here's a guy, 6'5", 6'6", 230 pounds. He ran a 10-2 100-yard dash in the state championship in high school. Um, he is from the Maryland, D.C. area. It, he has signed with the University of South Carolina. Uh, Shane Beamer down there doing work. Listen, Nick Harper wants to run track in addition to playing football, he has the potential to be an Olympic sprinter at his size. I heard a lot of people say, where do you put him? Why don't you put him at wide receiver? With, I mean, he, he played a lot of tight ends, so you know he can catch the football. And, I mean, he's got sprinter speed at that side. I mean, he's DJ Metcalf. He's DK Metcalf. Put him at receiver. Um, He's interesting. Another tight end prospect, uh, Deuce Robinson. He's got a big crystal ball to USC, but Georgia's still in play. Even and, and I think maybe USC has a bit of an edge here because Todd Munkin left to go be the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, Mike Bobo steps in at, at Georgia as offensive coordinator. And, and although you do not have um, you still got Brock Bowers there, but Darnell Washington's off to the NFL. So there, trust me, a guy like Deuce Robinson, he's got to find snaps. He's too good not to. So Deuce um, looks like he may be headed to Hollywood to go play for Lincoln Riley um, uh, out at SC. So th those are some headlines to get caught up on uh, uh, through the week. Um, ironically, it's the end of February, and we have had one school begin spring practice. College football is trying their best to be like the NFL and um, have a year-round schedule. Uh, so, so Bowling Green has started spring practice. By the way, uh, just in case you were, if you are um, um, a fan of the of the Eagles, uh, excuse me, the Falcons um, in in Southern Ohio. So. Um, let, let's let's transition. Let's move on a little bit. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Um, and I want to give a bit of a hot take. I have I've expressed this. Um, so I'm going to express it now. Patrick Mahomes is the is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. Right now. I believe Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback to ever play the game. How could you say such a thing about someone who's 27 years old? 
Well, I, so think of, think of the three major sports, baseball, football, and, and, and basketball. Baseball is a numbers game. Okay, when you think about all-time greats, it's always by the numbers. That's why even to this day, there, there's, a, there's an argument that Babe Ruth is still the greatest baseball player of all time. I mean, the guy has over 600 home runs. And I want to say he, if he doesn't have, he's close to 100 wins as a pitcher. Uh, and the game hasn't really changed that much since he played. And the only thing is uh, ballparks have gotten smaller and, and there's a such thing as spring training now. But when you think about when you think about baseball, three thousand hits, six hundred homers, um, you know, two hundred fifty, three hundred wins as a pitcher. You think of the statistics. You think of the numbers. Basketball is kind of has a bit of an identity crisis when it comes to measuring its greatness. But football is the eye test. Football is all about what you see on the field. And I I realized in some respects that. You see Patrick Mahomes, and you say, "Well, he hasn't accomplished." Well, if you if if that's your argument, well, let's start with a couple things. So, two guys widely regarded as the best quarterbacks of all time: Tom Brady and Joe Montana. And forgive me, y'all. I know this is a college football show. Uh, we're gonna get to that, uh, but they're they're both of them are are three three time All Pro first team. Mahomes at twenty seven. The two-time All-Pro first team, and Tom Brady was not a first-team All-Pro until he was thirty. Um, he's halfway to Montana. He's got he's got two Super Bowls already. Um, I want to say he's got four or five consecutive AFC Championship game appearances. Um, so so, and, and I see one comment. He he doesn't have five rings yet. So so, here's my thing. It's fine if you if you feel this way. So the question is. Are you talking accomplishments or eye test? Because when you say that and you want to argue Montana, you want to argue Tom Brady, I don't think you can watch Tom Brady play football and watch Patrick Mahomes play football and think that Tom Brady is better than Patrick Mahomes at playing football. It's just not true. He's not the athlete Mahomes is. He doesn't have the arm. He has the accomplishments. But eye test, once again, because if that's your argument, then – are you telling me that Emmitt Smith is the best running back to play football? He is the NFL's all-time leading rusher, and not many people outside of, of the Dallas-Fort Worth area think that Emmitt Smith is the best running back to ever play the game. Um, there, there are there are people that will argue where I live. There are people that will argue that Walter Payton is the best. My daddy, God rest his soul, will argue to the nose that Jim Brown was the best. So it's it's about what you see. And, that, and that's where I'm coming from on this. When you watch Pat Mahomes play, my question is, when you go through all of the legendary quarterbacks, what can he do or what can they do that he cannot with a football? And my answer is simple. I don't think there's anything that um, that he can do that that, thought, that they that those all-time greats um, can do that he can. He can do anything he wants. He is Jordan with the football. Um, I don't know if people saw that when he came out of Texas Tech. So I guess when you go back and you talk about Mahomes as the quarterback of Texas Tech, he was a strong-armed, somewhat erratic passer who was a, a great athlete. So just FYI, a lot of people say, how does he end up at Texas Tech? Coming out of high school, a lot of people thought he was going to play baseball like his dad because he was an outstanding baseball player. Um, he really didn't commit to playing football until somewhat late in the process, and he was a bit unrefined as a football player. So Texas Tech signed him. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury got him down there in Lubbock. And just like every other Texas Tech quarterback, when, when Mike Leach took over um, back in the day, he put up numbers. And I, I, I remember the performance he had against uh, Oklahoma. And here's the thing. The writing was on the wall to the point where Baker Mayfield left and walked on at Oklahoma. Um, so when, when, you saw, when you saw Patrick Mahomes, you did see steady improvement as a college prospect. 
but in some ways he's a one of one like Josh Allen. Um, but uh, Mahomes is also proof that situation matters as much as talent moving up to the next level. I mean, you couldn't ask for a much better situation when you talk about Mahomes going to Kansas City. They have a very good veteran quarterback in Alex Smith. You've got a proven coach in Andy Reid who had been to a Super Bowl in Philadelphia, had gotten Kansas City deep into the playoffs a couple times, and then here comes Mahomes. He's able to sit. He's able to learn under Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and 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 Charles Nagy, who was there at the time. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, maybe either Frank Reich or Doug Peterson was also on that staff. So you're in a great situation. You're in a stable situation. You go to a franchise um, that has played consistent winning football. You just had to get over the hump of the championship. This this is a, a franchise that is established. You had an established coach. Like it, it, it is something trying to develop a young quarterback when you're coaching for your job, right? He goes to a great situation, and they look at his skill set, and wow, they do this crazy thing. They develop the talent around him based on his skills. And Patrick Mahomes, if you listen to the coaches talk about him, he has this thirst to be great. And that's why you get what you get in Mahomes now as a pro. He's not a prodigy. By, by by no means was he a Peyton Manning coming to the league where you just kind of knew. And once again, Mahomes, first-round pick, top of the first round, but not the number one pick in the draft. There's, there, I believe there are different expectations when you're the number one pick in the draft. Uh, I, I always felt very strongly that Jalen Hurts would be a better pro than he was in college. And let's get some things straight. Jalen Hurts was an outstanding college quarterback. People can say whatever they want. But here's the truth. Jalen Hurts had three offensive coordinators in three years at Alabama. That's number one. Jalen Hurts was the SEC Offensive Freshman of the Year and, and led the Crimson Tide with no elite receivers other than Calvin Ridley to the National Championship game as a true freshman. He just happened to run into Deshaun Watson. Yes, was, it, was he benched for, for Tua? Absolutely. But what Tua did fit what Alabama needed more at that time. But it's hard when you have to adjust offensive philosophies in three consecutive seasons. He gets to Norman, really only has CeeDee Lamb to throw to, has an outstanding season, runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. You kind of saw, even in his last season in Alabama, where he came in and saved their bacon a couple times when Tua got hurt. But you saw him improve as a passer at Oklahoma. And I just kind of said to myself, if he go and, and listen, I believe all I believe all of those things. And 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 I know we we're, we're praising Mahomes, but don't get it twisted. Jalen Hurts, as a second year pro in the Super Bowl, he was phenomenal for the Eagles. The Eagles lost, but it wasn't because of Jalen Hurts. And I thought, son of a coach, obviously successful in four different offensive schemes. So he, can, he, can, he knows how to learn and absorb a playbook. He just needed the right situation. So he goes into Philly. And I'm going to be honest. I, I see this, this interview with Nick Sirianni. And I'm like, this dude can't even talk. How is he going to coach? Apparently Nick Sirianni is an outstanding football coach. He's good at coaching football. And and he, he goes into the situation and wants, wants wow, this innovative thing. You draft a guy, you want to see if he's the franchise, so you build a team around the skill set. You bring the power running game. And when Jalen Hurts was most successful at the at the college level, it was it was with a, a, a power running game as its base philosophy. You get him a good tight end, you go get AJ Brown, you get Devonta Smith. Um, at wide receiver, you build this this monster like defense, and wow, he's successful in the NFL. But he showed he's showing progression 
Because here's the thing. You bring back a staff the second year in a row for Jalen Hurts, and it matters. The stability that Patrick Mahomes has had with the coaching staff. Because the NFL, one of the, one of the big key differences is you have more turnover year by year with your personnel, with your player personnel in the pros than you do in college. But as, as an NFL prospect, I think people saw Jalen Hurts as someone limited. We did not think he had an elite arm. And I don't know if Jalen Hurts' arm is elite, but it's pro level. He can make all the throws you need him to throw um, in, in the offense. And he proved that in the Super Bowl. And I think it matters that Jalen Hurts has played a lot of football. Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes played a lot of football in college too. Listen, reps matter. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more when we go uh, and talk about our, our five key prospects. But playing a lot of football matters. And yes, is it a different game? Absolutely. Think about something as minuscule as the hash marks in college and, and the fact that they're wider and what you can do with spread offenses in college that you cannot in the pros because the hash marks are equidistant to the sideline in the NFL. But the fact that Jalen Hurts played in the college football playoff every year that he was in college, he played on the biggest stage at the, at the highest level of Division One college football. There's not a whole lot of difference between playing in front of 80,000, 70,000 people in the uh, uh, um, Caesars Palace Superdome in New Orleans as there is playing in front of that same number of people in Glendale at State Farm Stadium. He knows what those bright lights run. And the, the young man just doesn't get rattled. He just doesn't. And, and I'm going to tell you, if you can keep that same personnel tight you may not be able to keep the players but if you keep that same personnel tight and they can add because not only is Jalen Hurts on a rookie deal he is on a rookie deal as a second rounder so if I'm not mistaken he gets the extra year as a second round the first rounders don't get so they get to keep him at a lower salary a little bit longer than they would if he were a high round draft pick so they can continue to build around Jalen Hurts and I think Philip, I think both Philadelphia and we, Kansas City has proven that they're going to be here for a while. As long as they got 15, they're going to be here for a while. And I think with Jalen Hurts, bar, barring serious injury, I think Philadelphia is going to be there for a while. Um, and I, yeah, and, and I, yeah, I, I really felt that uh, Jalen would be a better pro um, than he was a college player. Um, very somewhat reminiscent of Justin Herbert. I felt Justin Herbert would be a better pro than he was at Oregon. Um, so, so as we kind of as we're coming to the home stretch, um, so season's over. Georgia's national champion. Signing day is over. Coaching carousel is over. So now we're in the postseason All Star Game draft process for these prospects. And here's the truth. Everybody wants to know where the quarterbacks are going. That's a very good question. And, 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 and if I'm not mistaken, Philadelphia has two years to figure that out. And I think if they contend another year or two, they'd be foolish not to pay him enough to keep him. And, and, and very similar to what's going on in Baltimore, the Ravens will be foolish not to pay Lamar Jackson. Here's the thing. When you, when you, when you, oh, 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 no, y'all got the questions. Y'all got the questions. Okay. Okay. Yes. Stetson Bennett will get drafted. Absolutely. Um, so, so, um, just cause you asked, first of all, let me tell you about Stetson Bennett. Will Stetson Bennett go with his boys to the hood in Athens and get faded up? Stetson Unstoppable. When I saw Stetson had that, had that nice little blend up with his helmet off in the uh, lab McConkey. I'm like, oh, Stetson about to go to work. Okay, but seriously, this is why Stetson's going to get drafted. Number one, you like Stetson. He was not a limiting factor this season. Georgia traditionally has like three or four thoroughbreds, thoroughbreds at running back. There was no, there was no, there was no Sonny Michelle. I'm getting to that. There was no Sonny Michelle. There was no Nick Chubb in the backfield. And it was Stetson Bennett 
and his ability to throw. Now he had monsters. You're talking about Lad McConkey. You're talking about uh, uh, Brock Bowers, my man from Naples, California. You're talking about um, Darnell Washington. Um, you know, um, AD Adonai Mitchell came back in the postseason, so he had weapons. But he was the reason that Georgia was as good on offense as they were. Size is not a skill. You can't hit what you can't catch. Stetson's going to test well when he goes to the combine. Now, if he's smart, he'll get measured and he'll run. He'll throw at his pro day. But what what is going to impress NFL scouts about Stetson are the interviews and when you put him on the chalkboard. And his pro day, he'll be able to throw to his guys in a controlled environment. And I see at earliest, I see Stetson going in the fourth round. And I think Stetson is a guy, because of his confidence, his swag, and his ability to learn an offense, I believe he can have a Colt McCoy-like career in the pros where he's a guy, your starting quarterback's out for a month. You come in and start some games for you, and and, and you not lose a, a lot. Um, do I think Stetson Bennett can be a full-time starting quarterback at the next level? No. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if the arm is elite enough. Um, I, I I don't think the skill set is. I think the skill set is good, but I don't think the skill set is great. Um, the the usually the big difference between the a backup quarterback and a starting quarterback is that backup quarterbacks are missing. No, no, Johnny Manziel. Johnny was awful. Here, here's the, um, that's a good. I'm glad you brought that up. Here's the difference. Between Stetson Bennett, Colt McCoy, Johnny Manziel, and I'll even throw in Baker Mayfield. You're talking about four guys, size-wise, who are about the same, somewhere between 5'10 and 6'1. Manziel, and Kevin Sumlin kind of says this without saying it, Johnny Manziel can learn the playbook. That's why you saw Johnny Manziel and, and live the way he did at Texas A&M. But when you watch him play at A&M, Say, and I said the same thing about Baker Mayfield, although I felt different about – I felt Baker could be a good starter in the NFL. And he's been a decent starter in the NFL. Cleveland had success with Baker Mayfield at quarterback, but you just – they're factors that you need for, for Baker to be successful. But here's the thing about Manziel. When you watched all that running around and whatnot that Johnny Manziel did when he was at Texas A&M, you said to yourself, well, he's not fast. He wasn't. He didn't run very well at the combine. It's like when he when he plays against guys, when he plays against linebackers who run a four or five, he's not going to look fast. And when he went to the NFL, he didn't look fast because the game he he did not have the game speed to do the scrambling and the running around in the pros like he did at Texas A and M. And then also, quite frankly, I mean Johnny Manziel really didn't take the game seriously. He came from money. Always knew he would have money if, if it didn't work out for him. And he kind of had very much a laissez-faire attitude about the game. And that, and that showed in his lack of preparation uh, while he was in the league. But, no, I think Stetson Bennett could stick in the NFL for a decade as a, as a quality QB2 spot starter option. I really do believe that. Um, so let me get to my top five quarterback prospects. Um, so uh, enjoy, enjoy the question. Uh, let, let me just go on the record as saying um, my reasonings for these is why I could never be an NFL GM. I would never want to draft a quarterback because I, I just got issues. I got trust issues, and I don't know if, if I would uh, ever ever draft one because I would always look at the deficit. But um, we're, we're going to go 5-4-3-2-1. So I, I got two at five, um, and, I, and I couldn't decide, so I put them both on my list. Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are kind of 5A and 5B for me. Uh, these are guys that have tools and elite tools. Will Levis never really broke the bad habit of throwing to the wrong jersey. Uh, he in, Last season, he had 19 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. He had a great junior year, but he still threw seven picks. So I want to say 26 touchdowns uh, as a junior. So that's kind of problem one with Will Levis. And, and when I first saw him play, when he transferred from Penn State, he made like three throws in a row. I'm like, man, 
Why couldn't he beat out Sean Clifford? And then I saw the fourth throw. Like, oh, that's why he couldn't beat out Sean Clifford. Um, and, and here's the thing. When you look at Will Levis, a lot of people look at Josh Allen. And this is this is my issue with trying to compare Will Levis and Josh Allen. Josh Allen was extraordinarily average when he was at Wyoming. And the two games I watched him play were against Big Ten teams. I saw him play, I believe, Iowa. Once he played Minnesota, and he was awful. But Josh Allen, what he's been able to do with his development and improvement is a one-of-one. One. It's never happened in the pros. There, there's never been a guy completing 55 to 60% of his passes um, as a college quarterback, turnover-prone, as he was at Wyoming, to come and not only be more accurate, better ball placement, but also less turnover prone and become an elite thrower of the football. And that Josh Allen is truly a one-of-one. My thing is, if you think Will Levis can do that, I don't think you take Will Levis in the first round. Because if you're taking Will Levis in the first round, you're saying that you expect Will Levis to start sooner rather than later, and I don't think I don't think you I don't think you do that. And I think there's going to be a team who's going to fall in love with Will Levis in shorts and a t-shirt, and they're going to be sorely disappointed. Um, so I need to apologize to Cam Newton because I saw that Florida Utah game, and I and I said Anthony Richardson is the love child of, of, of Cam Newton and Vince Young. I need to apologize to Vince Young as well. Um, same thing. I mean, 6'4", 230, ridiculous speed, elite arm talent, but these are tools. And if you're going to take a toolsy guy that's unrefined and undeveloped, you need to take him in the second or third round, and you need to have some solidity. Solidity, I just made that word up. You need to be solidified at quarterback and solidified as if, if a team is smart, yes. No, he won't. And it wouldn't shock me if Levis went top 10, but he shouldn't. He shouldn't. It's because people don't learn is why Levis will go early. People, people don't learn. They go back to the Jared Goff uh, uh um, Jerry Goff, Carson Wentz draft. Okay, those guys were fifteen or twenty on most big boards, and win the top five picks. You don't reach for prospects. There, there are too many prospects at other positions better than Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. There's enough data over the last twenty. Rex Grossman got the Bears to a Super Bowl. Brad Johnson has a ring. Rich Gannon got the Raiders to a Super Bowl. My man Jake Dale Homie got the Panthers to a Super Bowl. You you don't you if if you don't have that franchise quarterback, a lot of things have to go your way. Health, elite defense, receivers to make your quarterback look good, great running game, a one protect. You got to have all those things go well, but you can do it. And the truth is. If you are a bad football team, that means you need to manage that roster and your roster needs to get better. Okay. But yes, I would not draft Will Levis. I would draft Will Levis in the first two rounds. He, he he's 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 way too inconsistent with the football. And, and if you're if you're expecting him to do what Josh Allen did, I don't know if I make that bet because no one's ever really done it, specifically to the level in which Josh Allen has improved from a college prospect to a starting quarterback in the NFL. And no one's ever had a year one to year two improvement the way Josh Allen did. I don't know if I would make that bet because because you don't have to, which is number one number one reason I wouldn't. And same thing, same thing with Anthony Richardson. I, and, and Anthony Richardson falls into that data set a guys who haven't played a lot of football. Every NFL draft pick is a crapshoot. 
But here's the truth. We have enough data to let us know that quarterbacks who only play one year as the starter don't succeed at the rate of guys who play 15 to 20 plus starts. Okay. Look at Sam Darnold. Look at how he struggled as, as a pro. Uh, fewer than 20 starts. Came in late as a red shirt freshman. Was thrown to the wrong jersey as a red shirt sophomore. Struggled in the league. Um, Zach Wilson, pretty much same thing. But you know, when you got when you got grown men blocking for you on the college level, um, all them 30 year olds, they had coming off Mormon missions, <laughs> blocking for Zach Wilson, and he can throw paper airplanes because you know they protect him all day. Mark Sanchez is another one out of USC. One year started, did not have a great um, pro key career. Keely Smith, one year started coming out of Oregon. Now he he had some injury issues and went to a bad situation in Cincinnati. But that data said, hold, you, you want guys to have reps. And I don't think Anthony Richardson is playing enough football. And he's a guy, if you're going to bet on those tools, you bet on those tools in the third or fourth round and see if you can develop him into something, but you need to be solid as an organization and solid at the quarterback position where he can sit for a couple of years before you have to start him. My number four guy is Malik Cunningham. My my biggest concern about Cunningham are the injuries. He, he's really been injury prone the last couple of years. And one thing that holds true that if you get hurt in college, you get hurt in the pros. But I think Cunningham has all the tools that you want uh, from, from the modern NFL quarterback. He, he is dangerous with his legs. He's not exclusively – he's not a Lamar – I mean, he went to Louisville, ironically enough, but he's not a running quarterback. He can't play from the pocket. He's proven that. Um, great accuracy, ball placement, very good arm. I don't think the arm's talent special, but I'll be honest with you, I don't think any quarterback in this draft has special arm talent. Um, here I say Mahonesian arm talent. Josh Allenzian. I don't know if that works, but they don't have Josh Allen sort of sort of arm talent, if, if you take my meaning. Um, but um, he, he can he can. Um, th- there has to be a little transition with um, uh, Cunningham uh, in, in somewhat of an RPO spread heavy system that he ran with Scott Satterfield in Louisville. But I think from the from a tools perspective, I do think um, there's a lot to work with. Um, I know people are going to be turned off because Hendon Hooker had the, had the knee injury. But I, Hendon Hooker is my third prospect. Um, cast off from, from Virginia Tech. Um, decisions like this will get Justin Fuente fired down there in Blacksburg. But I think I think Hendon Hooker, the age doesn't bother me. You, Tom Brady just played till he was 45. Drew Brees, although he was cooked, Drew was cooked this last year, but he played well. Uh, he was solid at forty. You know, Philip Rivers played to almost forty, so the age doesn't bother me. Uh, the rules now favor quarterbacks. You, you can't hit them as hard as we used to. The assumed risk variance is less at quarterback than it's ever been. Um, so, so I, I don't have an issue that he's going to be twenty-six uh, by, by the start of the twenty twenty-three NFL season. I, I don't have an issue with that. Um, he's played he played solid football his entire – I mean, he was good at Virginia Tech before they let him walk. Um, he proved that he could play. When he went to Tennessee, he lit it up this season, um, given time to rehab the knee. Um, and I think he's a guy that I, I actually believe in the right situation, the knee. He, he had the ACL injury. So, so he he won't go through the full process, but I think if if you're a franchise that has a guy that you're gonna start um, in a year, you know, start next season, um, you can redshirt him this year and start him in 24. Uh, I I really think Henry Cooker can plug and play almost immediately. Um, he he's shown adaptability. I mean, two almost completely different systems between Virginia Tech and Tennessee. So you know he can adapt to a system, absorb a playbook. Uh, great athlete. I think Hendon Hooker has an elite arm. Um, he's got an NFL caliber arm. He can make every throw you want. Um, and, and really what you want to let him go to the combine. He'll get measured. Um, I think you'll like the measurables as far as height and weight. Um, and then let the doc, let them doctors take a look at the knee, make sure it's healing well. 
Um, you know, this is an ACL injury in 2023. I mean, people are coming off ACL for six to eight months of playing. So I, I don't think that should be an issue. Um, you may, you may, you may have trepidation about the offense that he played in. That that Darren shoot offense is not one that many quarterbacks have had success with. Robert Griffin III was by far the most successful, and, and I'll contend anyone. Robert Griffin III was not a bust; he just got hurt, um, and there was a whole bunch of drama in um, in, in in Washington. But the, a lot of the reasons for RG 3s injuries are actually my trepidation for my number one prospect. The number two is CJ Stroud. I think CJ Stroud made a lot of money in the college football playoff, playing the way he played against against Georgia. Um, He's, he's intriguing. Uh, I know people do have some issues with Ryan Day's offense and it's and it's transference to the next level. I think that development curve pretty much applies to the vast majority of quarterbacks that you have. Um, he is basically, um, you know, a, he's a paint-by-numbers quarterback. So if you tell him where to go with the football, he'll go there. But he showed some creativity and he showed the ability to freelance, what you need in the NFL when, when contained breaks down. He showed an ability to not only move in the pocket, but make plays with his legs, which you need in the modern NFL game as well. You like the size. He's going me- to measure well. Don't know how well he's going to run. Um, and then if he's smart, like most top uh, top of the draft quarterbacks will be, they're not going to throw at the combine. The guys who, who are projected, you know, Outside of the top 100, those are the guys that throw at the combine. Uh, you know, he's a top 10 pick with the pro day. He's going to look great. Um, see, he is he is extraordinarily accurate. He puts the ball on guys. So you, li- you like the accuracy and the ball placement throughout. Um, you like the pocket presence. He is a true pocket passer who's shown the ability to, to make plays outside of the pocket, specifically in the Georgia game. I know the question is going to be, why haven't we seen it from Morpheus' career? I think one of those answers is is pretty simple. Um, when, when you have the guys he's had, he's had to throw to hand off to, you don't really need to run. And then also, I do think that the, the black quarterback stereotype is at play here. Now, last season, he had the shoulder, and he didn't want to run. They, they didn't want him to run because they didn't want him to mess up the shoulder worse. Uh, but I do think there's this overwhelming uh, uh, idea that black quarterbacks got to prove that they can play from the pocket, and that's an, and that's another reason why also why he did what he did. But I think C.J. Stroud is a guy who can play and will be a good pro at the next level. My number one prospect is Bryce Jordan Mahomes Young. Um, he is he is I believe Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are the two best prospects in this draft. I don't think it's close. I think there's some separation between them and my third prospect. I think it's separation between them and Joe and uh, Hendon Hooker. Um, but Bryce has everything you want in a quarterback. Um, he's leader guy. He's proven that. Uh, he's tough as nails. Um, he make every throw in the book. I think he has a very good arm. I don't think it's elite, but he can get the ball where it needs to be. Uh, when it needs to get there, he's shown all of the intangibles as a, as a leader and an example. His teammates absolutely love him. Um, I am curious to see how he measures at the combine. Because um, the one thing that concerned me about Robert Griffin III with all of the tools that he had, he, he measured the combine, he was 5'10", 185. And I think, you know, you look at his injury issues, you look at Kyler Murray, who's now starting to have those injury issues, that would be my concern. So what do you do? You build a wall in front of him. I do think there is some some crickets with the straights um, uh, when it comes to shorter quarterback. You're not going to have the ability to straight drop back. You're going to have to move so he can find lanes to throw to. Um, defenses can adjust to that. Um, but once again, that's when you just go find a whole bunch of dudes on a six four to throw to. So, but yeah, I think and I think I think Bryce Young um, is the best prospect in this draft. Um, he plays a style where he can make plays when contained breaks down. He had to this season because his he was not his separation. 
Um, so he had to wait on guys to get open a lot longer than he did head to the year before. Um, the bus factor on, so on, oh, wow. Five being high bus potential. So I, I would say, I would say, I would say uh, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are fives as far as bus potential. I would say Hendon Hooker and Malik Cunningham are about a three. But I think with Cunningham, it's the health that that may derail him. I, I'm not concerned. I, and I think Hooker is the transition to a more pro-style offense where you're not spreading um, you're not spreading receivers out to the numbers like you do in that hypo veering shoot offense. I think with Bryce and CJ, they're around a two or a three. Uh, I actually would I actually have I would have a higher buzz factor on Bryce than I do CJ. And that's because CJ is gonna probably be about six three, six four, about two fifteen, two twenty. Um I, I, I think Nick Saban and the crew got got Bryce in uh Tuscaloosa eating chickens and pizzas. Uh, uh, and bread, trying to get him up to 200 pounds, but that's that's what that would be my my fear. That's why I would probably get Bryce about a three because he's small. I mean, he's like when you look at Russ. Russ is five ten, but he's like built like a tree trunk, you know. Um, and and when God bless uh, um, uh, 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 Russ early in his career with Seattle, he didn't know how to run out of bounds and slide. He kind of forgot that. Towards the back half of his career, but um, that that would be you know the the size if if, if Bryce is five ten one eighty five, I, I think that that could derail uh, his career early. So listen, guys, thank y'all for uh, for sharing this time with me. I appreciate it. Uh, the band will be back together next Thursday. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Pastor DDP. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Pride of Good Kid. Uh, look for my writings on two places, well, in two places, SaturdayBliss.com. Uh, I just completed uh, three burning questions for Alabama. Um, I am working on a piece that should be up this week about um, the Florida schools rebuilding and kind of who's in the lead of that race. And um, I just put up two articles on mtmvpn.com which is the blog site for for my team my voice sports um i, I highlighted um uh, uh aubrey miller and isaiah land as the bcu prospects and then taking full advantage of, of the senior bowl process and i talked about uh the mahomes hurts perf performances in the super bowl but listen guys god bless y'all keep y'all have a smile upon you is is it was it was good hanging out with y'all and I will see y'all next Thursday. Keep it locked right here. You are listening to MTMB Sports.